0: Episode 182, and uh, wow, we shredded the Sabres pretty good yesterday, so we'll try to lay off that a little bit today. Good morning, Riff. Good morning. Lots of other hockey stuff to talk about around the league for all the just people that are hockey fans out there that love the game of hockey. There's some good storylines out there, but yep. Man, yesterday was, uh, uh, how would I word it? Therapeutic. (laughs) That was as therapeutic as it gets. Yeah. eight, eight years You know, it's wa- tough years watching the same shit.
1: Yeah, listen, I mean, no one no one wants to talk negatively about, you know, their team, an organization, you know, a fan base, uh, you know, a GM, coaches. No one wants to talk negatively. Or I guess the haters do, but th- the issue the issue here, the issue here is it's just simple. It's like it. It truly is like Bill Murray and Groundhog's Day, and you know. Listen, I mean, I mean, I listen to the players speak. I listen to Don Granado speak. Haven't uh, heard Haven't heard a peep from from you know, GM Kevin Adams, which uh, to me right now is a little bit. Surprising, you know especially with the the team uh you know falling uh you know a pretty solid skid the last eight games they've they've lost and you know this is an already extremely rattled and fragile fan base it's a fragile fan base very I mean fragile. there's there's been a lot of there's been a lot of losing in the last you know two decades here whether it's whether it's the bills and and the stint that they went on now we're looking at the the Buffalo Sabres organization that is currently right now is number 1 in the league for you know 11 years not making the playoffs looking like it's going to be number number 12 and the interesting thing that that I took from yesterday and just being on social media you know reading different articles different thoughts about certain teams in the league, whether it's Anaheim. I watched the, I don't know if you watched the Ottawa San Jose play last night. I did not. No. Eric Carlson is without question, and I mean without a shadow of a doubt, the front runner by a big margin for the Norris Trophy. I watched him last night. I have not watched the San Jose game this entire year. And I was absolutely, my jaw dropped. He is on a, he is on a different stratosphere, but it's not even the pace. It's not the pace. Every single time he is on the ice, he controls and literally quarterbacks the entire game, whether it's defensively neutral zone or offensively. It is a, it's, it's spectacular to watch him play right now. The confidence level, the skating, the hockey IQ, and I watched San Jose play Ottawa and Ottawa looks, they look in shambles. They do. They look like the Sabres. They are lost. And that's completely in surprising to
0: me because I thought for sure they were. And I, you know what? Everybody thought a lot of people thought that watch the NHL and watch what they did in the offseason. season, drew to break it. They signed some of the young players. I know they're missing yeah. a key guy, but I never saw this coming for Ottawa. I really thought Ottawa was going to be a team that took a step in that other direction, heading toward the wildcard number two spot. You know, like, yeah. like I think everybody thought Detroit would do,
1: you know, and then you look at Detroit. Well, just where, like where, if people thought that uh, the Buffalo Sabres would uh, start to actually make strides moving forward and get out of the, the bottom go five there. teams in the league. Well, they're, we're there. We're, you know, right now the Buffalo Sabres are comfortably sitting in the spot that they've sat for basically a decade. Sleep. Now new coaches, new coaches, new philosophies, new systems, new GMs, new GMs, new, new thought processes, uh, you know, build the culture, find players that want to play here. You know, everybody needs to be happy coming to the rank. You know new, what it's new, easy new to philosophy. find
0: young players that want to be here because young players just want to be in the league when they don't have any options they're all restricted free agents so yeah. they don't have a they don't have a, a choice in the matter yeah so you know the problem is and I'm going to say this and I I don't know how much time you want to spend on the sabers today I'm fine spending as much as you want but the problem is and I believe you told me Don Granado was on uh the radio this morning was he not talking about how it's a young team and all this stuff yes i i'm i'm paraphrasing your quotes so why don't you tell me exactly what
1: he said uh, I can't remember. Okay, um, <laughs> you're throwing that on me. That's that's okay. We'll uh, My point is, you. my
0: point is, is that uh, the problem, the problem is, I look at the Boston Bruins, right, and I think, you know, here's a team that's been on top for so, so long, and eventually, with Bergeron signing a two point five million dollar deal uh, as a hometown discount, you get Krejci coming back, you get, you know, you got these other Marchands getting older, Jake DeBrusque wanted out. You know, Charlie McAvoy was hurt. Their goaltending was in shambles. They signed Allmark. Then they have Swayman. Like, like there's a team that I just look and I think, um, when are they going to fall off the cliff? Well, you know what the difference is? It's Boston. There's a standard there. There's a, there's a a level of excellence there, you know, and they're never going to have a problem acquiring veteran players, whether it's a Nick Felino that's willing to go there, a Charlie Coyle that's willing to go there, any player that's willing to go there, how many, how many players in the league right now would come to Buffalo that are of that stature? Probably zero. And, and I want to make it clear. It's not Buffalo. It's not the fans. It's not the city. It's not the hockey market. It's the way this team has been run since the Pagulas bought it period. End of story. I mean, let's not look any further. The organization from the outside looking in, we are living in Buffalo, so we are right in the thick of it. But but the the overall consensus of the Sabres franchise from outside Sabres people, they say it's a fucking joke. GM, 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 coach, 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 trade your star. And... The, the issue remains the same. The issue remains the same. So we can sit and point fingers at Kevin, and we can point fingers at uh, um, Don Granado and we can say Jason Botcher was the problem. We can say Ralph Kruger was the problem. Tim Murray, Phil Housley, uh, uh, Ted Nolan, uh, uh, Dan Bilesma, you know. But the reality of the situation is the problem here is the ownership. The problem here is the ownership. I don't know where Kim Pagula is. I know I've heard she's unhealthy, and I, I wish her well. But over the years, Terry and Kim Pagula have had their fingers on the pulse way too much. And the the rumor that I've heard is that the that Brandon Bean and what's the name of the Bills coach there? Uh, everyone loves him. Great McDermott. body on him works out like a like a fiend. It looks like what's his name? McDermott. McDermott. McDermott and Bean told the bagulas, stay out. Stay out of our business. We will handle this. They have had they've they've had like Kevin Adams was a, a was was the the he was running the harbor center and the Buffalo Junior Sabres and he goes from there to general manager. And that's not his fault. Anybody would take that job. Anybody. Yeah. But but the and relationship why, why would the, the relationship do that? to the owner is how he got the job. The willingness to make moves that maybe Jason Bottrell didn't want to make is why he got the job. And people have pointed out the problem with this organization over the last 10 years is first-time GMs, first-time coaches. All of them. Tim Murray, first-time GM. Who was after that? Jason Bottrell, first-time GM. Yep, Murray. I think I I
1: mentioned him. Um, Murray, Bottrell, Adams, the last three GMs for the Sabres. Phil Housley, first time coach. Yep.
0: Granado, first time coach. Like, it's look like the the recipe, the rest, the issue is not, it's not general managers and coaches. It's ownership. Mm -hmm. Period. End of story. And and listen, and, and listen, I don't begrudge an owner for wanting to have say, but an owner who doesn't know what he's talking about should probably just step aside and hire someone that not that he can control, but someone that he can
1: trust. How many owners in the league do you think have just allowed the GM to just go and run things? Like how many of are in the league? Uh, you know, like I Shanahan, imagine an, a lot of Shanahan in Toronto, Shanahan, the president in Toronto, I'm sure is making the decisions with Dubas. Okay, that's that's a one-two punch. You know, Kevin Adams right now is making decisions and listening to his people that is surrounding him, and they are trying to make decisions what's best for the Sabres. And a lot of those people, too, have no experience in the league,
0: by the way, with the exception of the guy they got from Carolina. Carmanos does. Carmanos, that's the guy, the yeah. guy from Carolina, with the exception of him the conversation that we were having now is not is not based on it's not an ownership conversation it's how do you get veteran players to come to your team and you know if you look at the sabers franchise as a whole who is going to come here like and and the, the further i get away from my days playing the the more i realize that as well, much, of an, asshole, as much of an asshole as much of an asshole as darcy regier was he was a genius
1: in some ways, he was a genius. Yeah. I think he was pretty damn good.
0: I'm, I, I was here for, good.
1: I was here for, for the three years. And, uh, the thing that Lindy Ruff and Darcy Regeer and the way they ran this ship here in Buffalo was, uh, was pretty impressive. They were, they were definitely involved. Um, Darcy Regeer was seen almost every day. So he was down around the players. Scary, scary man. Nervous. Made you nervous. I think that was the that was the the running tactic of of um Darcy was and 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 that, that was their MO. That was their MO. Make them fear you. Right? And and players did fear them. Gave them tons of respect. But they also ran a tight ship. Um, and, and what they were dealing with budget wise and everything else. I think Darcy Regear did a phenomenal job in his time here in Buffalo. Because people don't understand that people are are thinking that the budgets were the same back, back 15, 20 years ago when Darcy Regier was was taking over this, or not taking over, but running the team. His budget was half of what most of the, the NHL was. Yeah, it was. And he... You know, he found ways to put the the proper pieces in place to make the Buffalo Sabres the most competitive team he possibly could with what he had to work with. But you you mentioned to me uh, just a minute ago that, you know, who wants to come here? Like, who wants to come to Buffalo? I have the answer for you. Okay. Drafted players. Well, of course. It's not, of course, drafted players are the ones that want to come to Buffalo, the ones that are drafted that don't know any better, that don't know the environment, don't know what the team has done in the last decade. They don't know anything about it. They're just super happy to have an opportunity to possibly play in the NHL. And every single one of those guys come to training camp. They're enthusiastic. They're excited. And and that's. That's that, where this team is going to be built. It's going to be it's not going to be built through free agency. No, it's not. But
0: you need to you need to do something at free agency and in trades to bring in players that can su- support these players. We
1: took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2.
0: Play it now with Game Pass. Even if you might have to overpay.
1: Like, you you may have to. That doesn't work in the NHL. That's not a recipe for success. Okay. I, I've
0: seen it for years. I'm not Teams talking that financially, have to grossly. I'm talking
1: o- about like
0: if you have to give a, a a higher draft pick to acquire some of these pieces that have been moved over the years th- to bring them here from a team, a guy that has a no move clause, because you know that Buffalo is on everybody's no move clause.
1: Okay, a everybody, guy, guy's not coming here if he if he has a no move clause, he's not coming to Buffalo. That's a hundred percent. It's not even ninety nine percent. Why would you ever allow yourself to come to an organization that has literally in the last decade had such a black cloud over them? Why, why would you ever, you know, wave your no move clause? Well, that's why, here?
0: that's why when I go back and I think about Darcy and what he did, how he acquired Breer, traded Chris Grattan and some other pieces to Arizona and
1: picked up Breer, turned out to be an absolute Barriere was a young kid at the time, though. Like, he didn't know any better.
0: Well, he was was 25, 26, 27. You know, like, he had had some time in the league. Chris Drury was 28 or 29. Had already won a cup. He had been traded. He was out in Calgary. Then he gets traded. Darcy trades Rhett Warner. And I think he somehow he acquired Steve Ryanprecht, And he traded Steve Ryanprecht and Rhett Warner for Chris Drury. Um, You know, he, he, he acquires Mike Greer. Uh, he brings in Teppo Newman in. These are all these are all moves that I'm thinking about when I was younger and I was here. You know, obviously like Yeah. They they brought you in as a leadership, a right hand shot. We needed a, a right hand shot defenseman, veteran defenseman. They go and acquire and, and to
1: be honest with you, you Craig know Gervais. the situation with what happened there. If I had a no move clause at all, there's zero chance I'd be here in Buffalo. Zero. And it wasn't because, it wasn't really because of, for me, it wasn't because of the team, the Buffalo Sabres, Lindy Ruff. It was because I played in Montreal for 12 years. I got traded to San Jose, which is like literally being traded to the Bahamas. Okay, I went from snow, slush, you know, freezing cold weather, to going out and living in paradise and actually playing hockey at the same time, you know, you're, you're, you're flying from Anaheim to LA to Phoenix to Dallas. I mean, it went from hot to hotter to warm to hot. Like, I mean, I enjoyed that part of my career where it was something a lot different than what I was used to. Then I got traded back to Buffalo. It wasn't about the team wasn't about the city it was about i had already played in that division for 12 years that was like groundhog day to me i enjoyed playing in san jose because it was like i went to a completely different league you guys were good and if you guys were winning seven games a year you wouldn't
0: be able to wait to get the hell out of there because I think, in the grand scheme of things, I think you you want to win. Like, so you can say that it was yeah. because of that and that. But I think at the same time, you were getting traded from a team that was a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. Yes, we were. Yep, and we were f- f- we were actually that must make fifty times worse. Yeah, to go from we favored my San Jose, year. who's number one in the league, to Buffalo, who's we were out of the playoffs the year before. Yeah, it was. Two years before that that we were the oh six oh seven presidents trophy team, you came here in 08-09. So you still had uh yeah, oh seven, oh eight. So then it was the year after, so it was two years removed. So I mean, so we weren't even remotely close to the same team. So it's not like you were coming to us as the president's trophy winners, where I bet you would have you would have gotten on that plane and flown and, here and the, with Drury, uh, Drury, Briere, Greer, Dumont, McKee. You know all those guys: Roy Vanek, Palmerville, Finneganoff, You're jumping on that plane. You're going like, "Holy shit! I'm going to go and be a massive piece to this team, potentially winning a Stanley Cup." So a lot of it's mindset around the 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 success of the team, too.
1: Yeah, that's it's uh, you're 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 very right. Um, but the other thing I was thinking on on social media. And just kind of like, you know, you you got that time. you're you're scrolling through. you're reading comments of people that are just they're just fed up, they're angry, you know, um. And 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 listen, I go on and I read other articles. I read about Anaheim and what they're trying to do. I read about the Ottawa Senators because I think that they have grossly underachieved in their expectations of what they wanted to do this year. Arizona, you know, Arizona State, uh, you know, they're you know, are they are they playing better than what people would have thought? I think they're competitive. Vancouver, I think, is underachieving. So these are the bottom five teams in the league: Vancouver, Arizona, Buffalo, Ottawa, and Anaheim. And my thought the other day, because someone—or actually, I think it was you—that brought it up, you know, the 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 tankathon. And I'm like, oh my god, if I if I hear another tankathon, I'm not even going to do those simulators, which I enjoyed for for years, like no, a long time ago. You are. But I'm going to run one right now. No, one no, we're not. We're not going to do it. Right? Um, a, ta- a tankathon a day keeps the keep tank the, away. The draft lottery away. <laughs> God, I, my I my question is this: There we go. They're they're a quarter of the way into the season. Okay, Chicago, Columbus, San spots. Jose, Vancouver, Arizona, Buffalo, Ottawa, and Anaheim. My my thought in my head, going through all this, is at what point in time? What point in time in the year? Or where's the thought? process in what direction your team's going to go do you understand what i mean by that like Uh, anaheim right now is very comfortable just playing the game okay they're playing these young players that they have there you know zegras is is turning into a a complete superstar in front of our eyes. You have Ottawa Senators who have a, an extremely young team. Okay. Stitzel, you know, um, the Sanderson on defense who's playing fantastic at Kachuk, Norris, Batherson. Like they have a really nice team moving forward. They're struggling right now, but this is a team in the future. They have the right ingredients. Buffalo Sabres are the same thing. There's a lot of upside on this Buffalo team. I mean, Really, really nice upside. Now, are there moves that need to be made for Buffalo? Just tinkering with the with the lineup, tinkering, not, not changing it, tinkering. Because right now they're very young. They're very immature. They're almost very green. It's when the 20 and 21-year-olds are, are, are flustered and looking for a lifeline. They're looking up at a kid who's 24 and 25. Those are the veteran leaders on the team, the 24 and the 25 year olds. My thought is at what point in time, at what point in time are you not looking to tank, but just looking to stay the course, looking to continue to do what they're doing? And that's find a way to try and find how to win hockey games. Young guys won a lot of games. In their youth careers, whether you're talking JJ Paterka in Germany, whether you're talking Jack Quinn, whether you're talking Owen Power, these guys have won a tremendous amount of hockey games when they were young kids. Now they're in a situation where they're losing games. It's frustrating, but how are you going to get out of it? Isn't that part of Kevin Adams situation as is finding the guys that are not going to make excuses that are not going to find ways to cheat, but trying to figure out what you have in a dressing room. You know, if, if, if a GM is coming to take over a hockey team, most likely he's taking over a hockey team that is in shambles. Okay. Kevin Adams took over one of the biggest, you know, shit bombs in in all of hockey this is a team that had struggled for an insane amount of years before he got here picked it up started to change a few things you know one thing at a time well his first order of business
0: was was to completely shit can a lot of people yeah that was that was the first order of business so talk about a uh, a shit job duty to start your tenure,
1: but again, he he wasn't a GM that came in here started putting band aids all over the place. He he understands that in order for Buffalo Sabers to have a competitive team, you have to you have to do a great job drafting. Kevin Adams did, I think, a very good job acquiring a lot of draft picks through trades and things like that, which gives him draft collateral. Now he's made a lot of picks. He's made a lot of picks, and the future of this team, you know, everybody's looking at you know Cage Thompson, the Alex Tuck players like that. Well, these guys are twenty four and twenty five years old. Alex Tuck and 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 Cage Thompson are twenty four and twenty five years old. They are going to be a big piece of this team, but the future of the Buffalo Sabers. Are guys that are 20 years old, 21 years old, it's going to be, you know, the JJ Paterka, it's going to be the Jack Quinn, it's going to be the Dylan Cousins, it's going to be Peyton Krebs, it's going to be um, Rasmus Dahlin, who's 22, it's going to be Owen Power, who's 20, Matias Samuelson's 22, that's the future. The future is is Matt Savoy, the number ninth overall pick, and Oslin, who's probably going to play in Sweden for a couple years to make sure that when he does come over here, he's ready to play. Uh, kulich is another one. These are the. This is the future of the Sabers. The future of the Sabers is not lying with Tage Thompson and Alex Tuck. Now they will both still be here, but they're going to be. They're going to be twenty eight. Twenty nine. When this team is highly competitive, right now they're twenty four and twenty five. This team needs time. Oh, and as much time, as I time, time. Let's well listen. Time. I mean, it is what it is. Time. Kevin Adams, right now, is, is has done the right thing. Time. Now, would he like to rub his crystal ball at home and basically say, you know, give me wins? Well, the reality is, the team is not at the point of being a competitive team every single night. It's just not. Is it frustrating? Do I want to watch the same shit that I've watched over and over? I don't. But the future of the Buffalo Sabres is not in Tage Thompson and Alex Tuck and Jeff Skinner and Kyle Poso and Zemgus Gergensen. It's not. It's going to be in the crew and the young players that I just named and so, a lot of those players aren't even in the lineup right now.
0: And hopefully so they're not. Is- hopefully they're moved for other players that are already established in their 25s, 26s. That's what needs to happen. Enough of the drafting. Enough. I don't want to I don't want to see all three second rounders made this year. If all three second round picks are made this year, there's a serious serious issue. Those picks should be used at some point between now and the draft to acquire pieces. Now, not second rounders alone because you're not going to get much for a second rounder, but you can at least use a couple of them, maybe a first, maybe one of those three first rounders that you have. Um you have a couple of them already playing in the minors, which to me part of the problem is your minors. You have nothing in the minors. Like Like we go back, we go back to when I was playing in Buffalo, and I I know, look, it's 12, 13, 14, 15 years ago. I understand that, but the philosophy hasn't changed. Like when I played in New Jersey for one year, we went down to the minors, we called up good players. We called up good players. Well, guess what? All the good minor league players that you would be calling up that are getting experience in the minors paying their dues. Some of them have already paid their dues a little bit. Other guys over the years have spent two, three years in the minors. They're already here. They're already here. So what you see now is what you have. And that's a fucking problem. That's a real problem. You're not sitting here going like, okay. Like, for instance, in in my, I think it was my rookie year, the Sabres were licking their chops to call up Derek Roy and I'll never forget Adam Mayer got suspended fourth line centerman he was my centerman he got suspended for going after the big Russian in uh uh New York there I can't remember the guy's name but there was a big cast or something and he ends up like he does something to him he gets suspended for one game well guess who they called up and I remember walking to the rink with Chris Taylor and Adam Mayer in the morning, and we were talking about who they're calling up, and they said they called up Derek Roy. And Chris Taylor turned to us, who uh, actually Tails was our centerman. Mersey was the winger. And he's like, Man, they have just been they've been licking their chops, just waiting for a reason to call this guy up. And Adam Mayer turned to us and he goes, I'm sorry, guys. Because Roysey came in and Chris Taylor was that was his last year in the NHL. There was a lockout. But that was the last year in his NHL, because Derek Roy stepped in and proved in 49 games that he could be a regular player on the Buffalo Sabres. Then a miracle happened for the Sabres, and there was a lockout, and it forced Darcy Regeer to let five of his top-tier prospects marinate What what year is
1: that? Is that 2004, 2005? That was a lockout year, yeah. But the year that Roysey got called up was 0304. Okay, so let me ask you a question. In 2004-2005, mm-hmm. was Stafford in the minors? Lockout. He, wasn't here. he wasn't here yet. Danny Paillet. Uh Clark MacArthur. Ryan Miller. Derek uh, Roy. Thomas Roy. Vanek. Yes. Yes. Gostad, Yes. Okay. So in the 2005-2006 season, how many of those players that I just named were in the NHL? All of them. Okay, so how is your minor league team? Still pretty good, actually. Bullshit. I, no,
0: because in in came Bullshit. In came Mike Ryan. In came Drew Stafford. In came Dan Pie. These guys are all first, second rounders. And then we had we had Jeff Gilson was there. We had they had a Doug Janik was there. Darcy's drafting over the years and patience sending guys back to junior, uh, letting guys marinate in the minors. It all paid off. And I can see you
1: right there doing your research, by the way, yep. and
0: you're digging, you're digging. And digging.
1: Well, in, to, in the 2006, seven season, Drew Stafford played in the minors. Yeah. 34 games played. He started in the minors, 34 games played. He had 22 goals and 44 points. And then that year finished with the Buffalo Sabers. Played forty-one games, had thirteen goals and twenty-seven points. Extremely impressive start to a. I a remember rookie, his first
0: game. He had an assist year. on the overtime winner, Chris Jury's winner. Yeah, I remember that
1: game. Stafford
0: gets called up. We're playing in New York, and I said to him, he's he, he was sitting next to me, and I'm like, hey, just just throw hundred bucks on the board. You don't have to throw. Don't throw too much money on the board. And he thought I was he thought I was setting him up for bullshit. But I was trying to be a nice guy. I'm like, you're you're twenty year old kid, like just just throw a hundred bucks on the board. He walks up, he throws a thousand and he starts laughing at me. He's like, you were trying to fuck me over PD. I know you were trying to get me. I was in the meanwhile, I was really just trying to be a nice guy. Yeah. But anyway, I remember that night. I remember it was in uh MSG when he played his first game. So yeah, he came up, what else, what else you got there?
1: Nothing. I was just thinking of, you know, the, the team, the, the team that was, that was, uh, in, you're talking about you know how you look at the Sabers, you know minor league team now. I mean, ultimately they should probably have JJ Paterka there. He's 20 years old. Okay, there's nothing wrong with giving him more time in the minors, where he's going to play 20 plus minutes a night, be on the power play, be on the penalty kill, do everything, and just give him more time to mature as as an individual. Like at 20 years old, do you remember back when you were 20 years old? It's like I was 15, you know, like I was still trying to figure out how to do laundry and 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 deal with you know life lessons. I'm sure JJ Paterka is the same thing. He's an unbelievable hockey player, but he's still dealing with how to be a man and and the maturity level on and off the ice. And you know, there there's no rush for players. There's no rush for players. I just think that there's so many young players in this lineup right now. And I know that that was a choice that they made. Okay. Don Granato, you know, Kevin Adams, they've made a choice where they're, they just said, you know what, we think that these young players are so good that we just need to give them time to get used to the league. There's going to be some heartache at the start of the season. Okay. And it could be half the season before these guys get comfortable and familiar. And then they probably are going to start to, to see, you know, the return on these young players. The problem is you're bringing in so many young players that when there is a situation like they're in now, you're, 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 you're turning your head and looking to the right and the left and you're looking at guys of the same age as you.
0: I I can't, I can't talk anymore about the Sabres. A couple other things we need to, we need to talk about around the league. Patrice Bergeron. 1,000 points last night. What a career he's had.
1: Bergeron. What can you say about him? I mean, he has been 37 years old, still playing at a high level of hockey. He's got 19, 18 points in 19 games, nine goals, plus 12. I mean, he just... I just look back to when when he was a rookie, you know, like when he was young. Who is he playing with? Like, how did he learn? And who did he learn from when he came into the league in 2003, 2004? Like, who Chara. did he learn from? Chara was there. That's that's your standard. Chara
0: was the standard for the entire team. Yeah. And Bergeron managed to maintain that. Like, they all took a piece from that. And, you know, Marshawn would call him a rat on the ice, but he's as professional as it gets off the ice when it comes to taking care of himself and being ready to play he is always yep. ready to play you know I mean Chara set the standard for that entire franchise who was their coach at the time Claude Julian at some not, point it became, not back it became, in two thousand three four but it became Claude Julian who also helped set the standard there for a long time yep. led them to the cup yep you know I mean like that's that's where it all begins like, like it's where it all begins. It's top yeah. to bottom, like event, like you can say what you want about the Leafs and all their exits from the playoffs. Well, guess where they
1: built their franchise first
0: before yeah. it was on the ice upper man.
1: But again, you know, like they, they have their upper echelon guys. They have their Pasternak and Bergeron and they have their Brad Marchand, Jake DeBrusque and David Krejci has been an absolute rock star in this league for many, many, many years they 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 go pick up a taylor hall who has struggled for many 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 years in different environments it's not just buffalo sabers where he struggled right i mean he struggled in in other spots okay and for me boston has made moves nick felino character physical Knows how to play the game. They pick up Charlie Coyle. Okay. It was a great pickup. Six foot three, 223 pound centerman. Okay. They pick up Craig Smith. Craig Smith is a physical up and down power right winger who plays the game, who can score goals. They picked up they, somebody else who's big. Thomas Nosik. Yeah. They picked up somebody else too. 63205 he just plays plays a solid brand of hockey he was the fourth line center in vegas who was very good in vegas okay and now he's on now he's on boston Name but he's more. but he's a big trent frederick first round draft pick yep. late first round draft pick he's not a top end player he's not a number 1 line or 2 line he is a fast physical Nasty player, and he plays the game the right way. He knows his role. So how all about these Zaka,
0: things, First round, six overall, six foot four, 200 pounds. Didn't have great numbers over the years. What's he doing this year? He's got five yeah. years old. Exactly. How the hell did they get this guy? Six, he was, four, he was, 200
1: pounds. He, they fumbled him in New Jersey. Well, he's got 12 points in 19 games right now in Boston. Yeah. Speaking
0: of New Jersey, they won another one last night against the Oilers. I don't know when this shit's gonna stop. I, I'm I'm it's not gonna I, stop. I I, I do right I way. wanna I wanna say this again. I apologize to Lindy Ruff. I, I, I don't need to apologize to him, but I apologize for what I said about him last year in terms of not having a coaching job soon into this season i mean i don't apologize what for you think it you're
1: the only guy in the planet the whole that- fucking league that-
0: thought he was gonna get well, shit okay and don't ap- apologize well, you know, for then it you know what then i guess let me say this i guess not apologize but i guess deep down i'm kind of happy for him i am i am kind of happy for lindy and as much as as much as i i i don't think we ever butted heads because we didn't ever converse but as much as i just didn't really enjoy his coaching style I still have a ton of respect for him as an X's and O's guy. And as, as a man and, and a a man in hockey. And he has done a phenomenal job. He's done a
1: phenomenal job. He's one of the most winningest uh, coaches in the NHL history. He's done a nice job. He's, he's, he's had success wherever he's gone. Um, He's a great coach. Tough coach. When I, when I was here in Buffalo, when he coached me and, and, and the team, he was off the chart, extremely demanding off the chart. I mean, you didn't do what he wanted. You were sitting. That's it. I mean, there was, there was no gray area with him. Like, I don't know what he's thinking. No, you knew exactly what he was thinking. He was very, very demanding. And all those young kids, Pominville, Bannick, Derek Roy, uh, Paye, Gostad, Miller, uh, Clark MacArthur, Stafford, all even, of these guys knew exactly what they had to do
0: or else, even if he didn't say it out loud,
1: not to say <laughs> he, it, his he body language, say- his body language told the, t- told the story. Last That's thing just the way it was. Last thing we'll talk about before I let you go, because
0: you're doing Shred and Raggin today. Look forward to hearing you on Shred shredding, Um you, Anyone can hear that, too, on the 97rock.com uh, on-demand vault there. But um, K.O. McCarr, 200 points last night. Fastest defenseman to get to 200 points. I don't know what else to say. I've told you once, best player in the league. Keep saying it over and over again, but no one wants to give him credit because there's a guy up front named Connor McDavid that seems to just put everybody in their place when it comes to greatness, but I'm sorry, Kale McCarr might be the best player in the National Hockey League, the most valuable player to his team and to the league in the National Hockey League, period, end of story.
1: Listen, I mean, he's a top five guy. There's no question about (laughs) it. He is not anywhere near my my top five or, or my top guy in the league. Connor McDavid is absolutely overwhelming above and beyond anybody. In this league, we've done two player casts together where we've watched Connor McDavid
0: three, actually, where we've, uh, where we've watched Connor McDavid on Sportsnet. two of those games. He was, he was invisible until the third period. Then he shows up, gets a goal and an assist. So, I mean, yes, he's the greatest, he's the greatest offensive player, but I still think Kale McCarr is the best player. Anything else to add to that? Before we get out of here today, is there I anything think Kale uh, McCarr is
1: a pretty special guy, pretty special talent. I think uh, the Colorado Avalanche, I think they picked him fifth overall, lucked out on uh, a, generational, a generational talent of the generational talents. How about that? So good on them. Good on them.
0: Good on you. Talk to you tomorrow. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle and at craigrevet52 at the instigator 76 and you can find us as you already know on apple spotify and youtube and anywhere else where you can get your podcast thanks for tuning in don't forget to spread the word